Hi, and welcome to the Drama Club. On this week's episode, we've got a no prenup alert because Jeff Bezos and his wife Mackenzie Bezos break up to the tune of $136 billion. And then Steph's got the story of the all-time queen of wrestling, China. And then I hit you with the story of the queen of country, Shania Twain, on this week's Drama Club. Let's go, girls. What up, fam? What up, fam? Feels good, right? Woo, right? <laughs> yeah, I know it, dude. I know it, dude. And without further ado, we broadcasting live from CA to NY. Big news. We got a we got a scorching hot topic this week. <laughs> scorching hot. Yeah. Delivered in two days with Amazon Prime, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Getting a divorce. No prenup, baby. We need a special alarm for divorces with no prenups. Yeah, divorce alert. Seriously. Oh, I forgot to say divorce alert. Divorce alert. <laughs> They're fighting. <laughs> Jeff Bezos and his wife of 25 years, Mackenzie Bezos. Yeah. Issued a joint statement saying that they are, after a trial separation, they are moving mm-hmm. forward with a fucking divorce. <laughs> Wow. And the first thing on everybody's mind is, does she get to have Amazon Prime still? Because that would be my concern. Yeah. If she don't get Amazon Prime in the in the divorce, then, I mean, like, does she even have a good divorce lawyer? You heard who her divorce lawyer is, right? No. Who? It's homegirl from uh, Angelina. And oh, yeah. Fucking every- Leslie, is that her name? Yeah. she That girl went to um, Loyola. Anyways, so the big thing is obviously his estimated net worth, $137 billion. (laughs) If she gets half of that, I think she doesn't even need to get half of it, but she'll be technically the richest woman in the world. Yeah. Good for her. Because she was with him before he was making that paper, so. She moved, like, I read something that said she, because she graduated from Stanford or whatever, like, they met Mm -hmm. back in college and. She was working full time while he was trying to start up like the college book Amazon, you know, when that's all he was into. And he uprooted them to Seattle and she was like, all right, let's do it. Like she she had her man's back. It was actually her idea to sell more than books. Holy. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'd want half of the profits of everything other than books forever. Oh, no, but I mean they've they've had they have kids, right? How many kids? Three or four or something. Yeah. They got like hella kids. They they were together before the money came. She's been holding it down. I'm sure she's like smart as hell. Like yeah. get your money, girl. Yeah. Like, she deserves it. Yeah, she deserves it. Yeah. But honestly, like if it were me, I just throw me ten ten billion. I'm never gonna spend ten billion. Yeah. Like no. just cut me a check today for ten billion no. and I don't gotta go to court. I don't gotta do anything, just like I'm chill. No, give Make me sure half kids... and then I donate everything but $10 billion. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Make sure the kids are taken care of, you know, have their trust funds and stuff and like we good. Yeah. Oh, the kids are fine. But the tea is that. Oh, yeah, the extra been... spicy tea. He's been having an affair with his <gasps> like homie's wife. 
that deserves an extra sprinkle of 10 billion that shit's like, amazing give, give, give me give me 20 billion just for that lauren sanchez shout out to my home girl LA, holding it down baby. for all the sanchez's out there yo we're familiar with lauren sanchez in southern california because so we see her on tv she's, she's on like ktla a, yeah yeah, she's she's a semi prominent news anchor out here. Yeah, she, she be getting fillers like yeah. she, you know, she be in the helicopter and shit. You yeah, know, piloting. <laughs> so she's getting divorced from her husband of thirteen years, who is the one of the founding partners of that power agency, right? Like the management company. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. William He's Morris, sort of, I think. Uh, William Morris, really? Yeah, I think so. Oh. I want to say that that's it. Let me confirm that. I know he's like a he's a player. He's a player in the, in the industry. He's not like, you know, he's not Bezos rich, but he up there. Yeah. No, he's super. He's super, especially like in L.A. Yeah. William Morris. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. Shout out to Lauren Sanchez, though. Fucking like she pull in men, men. <laughs> so, I mean, not to air all her dirty laundry, but. Like that's the, the I mean that's the whole point of this podcast. She had this podcast could have been called Dirty Laundry. Her first kid mate is from like the tight end of some NFL team that she macked on back in her day. Yo. And then she has two kids with homeboy from William Morris, and now she's macking on fucking Jeff Bessels. Dude, she'd be upgrading. She Every needs husband to teach is a an fucking upgrade. Class. I would. I would pay ten billion dollars for that class. <laughs> She needs to open a fucking dating app. I saw someone on Twitter speculating like Besito? before it came before it came out that he already had a bae, uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, they've like, been who, talking about him like having an affair for a while, right? Well, someone was saying like taking bets. Who who do you think that he's gonna date next? And someone said January Jones, and I was like, Ooh, that's that. I could see that happening. Amber Heard. <laughs> Amber Heard. <laughs> you know, she tried to make a pass at him at the Golden Globes party. <laughs> <laughs> no, Amber Heard, she did her time. She, she don't gotta be, you don't get two billionaires. That's not no. fair. Especially when you when you fucked with like the most fuckboyiest billionaire. Like, I think she, she's done. She's done with that. The other big thing that came out were their steamy <laughs> text messages. <laughs> oh, God. Alexa, sexed my bae. <laughs> Human girl. <laughs> Alive me. girl. Alive girl. I will put my mouth on your body. I will put my mouth on your mouth. And I will put my body on your body to I tell you that I love you. Exchange <laughs> tongue sweat. <laughs> he was, our boy, Jeff, was just, he does not have swagger. Like, his, his sex are just not... Ooh, should I read them? Yeah, let's read some. Okay, this is from page six. Ooh. Okay, the text that was released says, quote, I love you, alive girl. Also, exchanging I love yous. Yeah. That's pretty deep there, my dude. Anyways, okay. I love you, alive girl, period. I I will show you with my body and my lips and my eyes very soon. Your eyes? (laughs) I don't want anybody to show me that they love me with their eyes, though. That's that a, sounds no, creepy. Show me with your wallet, dude. <laughs> <laughs> show me with your dick, my guy. Show like me what? With that there's prime. Like, nothing. Nothing on that list is nothing is like sexual. You know. Allegedly, he sent dick pics, though. 
Ooh, prime over that dick, baby. And shirtless shots. Oh, I don't want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, so what? They've been seeing each other for a few months, allegedly, right? Yeah. How long does it take to say I love you in your your late 40s? Like a month or two? A month? 1.5 months? Well, I've been watching Dirty John. Uh, oh, you, it, I haven't seen it. I think you would like it. Oh, we talked about it before. Yeah, you would definitely yeah. like it. Because I fuck with Connie Britton now. I love Actually, her. She's, she's awesome. She's pretty cool. Yeah. They said I love you like like a week. Yeah, I think some... Also, white people, they say I love you <laughs> hella fast, I think. I think rich people say I love you fast, too. Yeah. They, they live fast, they you just, know? Yeah. They, they don't got it. no time to be fucking around. Just like... <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get a divorce. <laughs> I'm done with you. <laughs> so we'll we'll keep you guys updated on what happens with the Bessos divorce. Yeah, because ooh, it's gonna be up there's there. A, there's a lot of money, a lot of money, and everything. I mean, but I mean, it should be it should be amicable because it's not like you know when your net worth is a hundred thousand dollars and you're gonna worry about like who gets the house. Like you know, there's less stress when it's all that money because everybody can leave with more than enough to be happy yeah no you would think <laughs> yeah right? no the more money you have the more it takes for you to be happy so mm. i don't like even if it's like the most amicable just based on their net worth it's gonna be a fucking it's gonna get dragged out you think so yeah no money no problem i mean that's if especially because there's no pre no fucking prenup yeah uh, what is this i keep hearing about a postnup um, I don't know. I haven't seen anything about that. I think every, I think somebody was saying that he had asked for a postnup like a what couple, a day like a couple years ago, like not that long ago. Oh, I would have. <laughs> oh, I wish, motherfucker. <laughs> I guess postnups don't really hold up in court, though. So good luck with that, my dude. Who's she gonna date next? I want to see her come. I want her to pull a power move, start dating Elon Musk, baby. I I want her to date like channing tatum no yeah what the hell i just want her to get a boy toy oh like a young dude okay yeah yeah because she can be rich as fuck that's true actually never mind yeah i want her to date channing tatum and just be like living the life of luxury on like yachts you know (laughs) (laughs) i want her to date that guy that lord sanchez is divorcing (laughs) oh that's a swap Uh (laughs) uh-huh all right so we got a twofer for you guys this week. First of all, hello everybody. My name is Stephanie. <laughs> and my name is May, and together we are the Drama Club. Thank you for listening. Real quick, if you guys have a chance, BuzzFeed has asked for podcast recommendations on a post by their writer Scott Bryan, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. And if you could give us a shout out on their page via your Facebook or your BuzzFeed account, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, some of you already did it, which is awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you for doing that. Hopefully, we're trying to reach a greater audience this year, so that'll definitely help if we were able to get a shout out from them. Yeah, hell yeah. I was just thinking recently how, like, I I feel like uh, I've been ignoring BuzzFeed a lot. Me too. Don't pay attention to it as much. And then as soon as I thought that, like, I started taking, like, a couple quizzes (laughs) and i was like hello old friend (laughs) yeah me too i used to be on buzzfeed all the time because it's Mm -hmm. just so it's so they made it so perfectly easy yeah to click through their content yeah 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 um so yeah i used to all the time now less so yeah the the little quizzes get repetitive yeah 
I'd be next to Hoel and be taking a quiz that's like, when will you get married? <laughs> <laughs> what flavor of pie are you? Yeah. And then I'll, like, <laughs> I'll get cherry. I'll be like, fuck you, Busby. <laughs> I'm definitely not cherry. That's the least amount of pie I have. All right. Actually, on that BuzzFeed thing, people keep recommending this one called Beyond Bourbon Street. Have you seen that? No. And it's like a New Orleans-based podcast about like events in New Orleans and <gasps> stuff like that. I know. I wish we would have known yeah. about that. All right. All right. So for my topic today, I am going to do the WWF slash WWE wrestler China. I got a lot of this from an article by Jason King called The Great Fall of China, How WWE's Greatest Female Wrestler Disappeared, and also a bunch of Daily Beast articles on her following her death. And so, Spoiler alert. What? She's dead. Oh, yeah, she did. <clears throat> and all the Wikipedias. China was born jo- Joan Marie Lore in Rochester, Flower. New York. No, Flower. I heard it pronounced Lore. Okay. Maybe that's how they pronounce it out there, too. You know, people be pronouncing shit. (laughs) (laughs) In Rochester, New York on December 7th, 27th, 1969. Her parents divorced when she was like four years old and she ended up having about three different stepfathers and one stepmother. Oh, okay. Her mom and dad had a volatile relationship even after their divorce. And China talks about this one particularly awful story where her dad stabbed her mom in the thigh while on an alcoholic binge. What with what with a knife? Yeah, with like a butter knife or some shit. Like a, what? That's even worse, right? Because a butter it, knife because it's dull. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to break skin at least. Fuck. Oh hell no. She also said that her first stepfather threatened suicide in front of her and her sister. And suffice to say, she moved around a lot as a kid. She didn't have a really great childhood. Her family relied on welfare to get by, and her alcoholic father father would disappear for days at a time, leaving them alone to fend for themselves. How many kids? Two sisters. Okay. In seventh grade, she says that she was kissed by a teacher who worked at her school. No. Yeah. She was always like taller than most girls and stuff. So she said she felt like that's why she would get targeted by older men often. That's weird, though. Uh Uh-huh. No, that's fucking weird. That shit will fuck you up for life. Oh, yeah, definitely. By the time she was 13, she said that she was bulimic and she began purging after eating to try to stay slim. She left home at age 16 after her mom tried to force her into a rehab facility. Mm -hmm. China says that she never saw her mother again after that. What? For the rest of her life. She just disappeared? She left her house. China left her mom behind and just like basically like never looked back. No way. That's 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 fucking crazy. crazy. She then moved to live with her biological father and she went to high school while living with him and graduated from high school and everything. She was Mm -hmm. super into working out and she got super into weightlifting pretty early on because she was tall as fuck. Mm -hmm. She then graduated from the University of Tampa in 1992 with a degree in Spanish lit and she had also studied French and German. So she wanted to use her foreign language knowledge to try to work for the FBI or DEA. Ooh, that's really, really cool. I... I didn't realize she was so well-rounded like that. Following college, she joined the Peace Corps wow. and was assigned to work in Guatemala for a year. <gasps> ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so China never really gets into like how she 
fell out of a relationship with her dad, Mm -hmm. but she basically never recovers any sort of a relationship with either of her parents. That sucks. In her adulthood. Mm -hmm. And she later claims that her dad took out a lot of student loans in her name, leaving her in debt as a young adult. Oh, no. Student loans? Yeah, that's wild, right? Yeah, that's so fucking weird. But you know what? I would imagine that if you have such a difficult childhood, it's really hard to be able to put those feelings aside and forgive because you just... Those resentments are so deep. Yeah. And you hold them in like a place that doesn't even exist anymore because it's like, how do you go back to me being seven and seeing you stab my mom or whatever? Right. And it's, I just feel bad for her because it's just a bad platform for the rest of her life. After she came back from Guatemala, she started working kind of wherever she could land a job. First, she was like singing in some band. Then she worked uh, for a 900 number chat line. Ooh. Ooh, like a sex sex line? I think so. And her voice is actually very, very high pitched. And I could totally see that being utilized (laughs) in that way. Cool. She was a cocktail waitress at a strip club for a while. And all the while, she was super into fitness. She started entering fitness competitions because she was really into weightlifting and all that stuff. She had her boobs done around this time. And she was just trying to trying to figure things out, doing her own thing, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. out there on her own and shit. That's what's up. Get that boob job, girl. Invest in yourself. Yeah, why not? You know, actually, I feel like a lot of the women bodybuilders end up getting boob jobs pretty quickly, huh? Yeah, I think their breast uh, muscle gets so small because they're lifting so many weights, you know, they mm-hmm. want some curvature. Yeah. So China took class a class to become a flight attendant around this time. Ooh. But on the way to her first flight, she was in a car accident where she <gasps> had to be hospitalized for seven days. No way. Uh... So she lost that job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? That just tells you that riding in a car is more dangerous than flying on an airplane. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> And then her sister helped her get a job selling pagers. <laughs> oh, that is some 90s shit that was right some there. some hella 90s shit. I, and I always wanted a pager when I was little because both of my parents had one. And I remember thinking like, what the fuck? That is the height of technology right now. I know. It's so stupid, huh? My brother had a pager when he was in high school. And I used to be like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And like you would send each other. They would like his girlfriend would send him like a heart or some shit, you know? Like, <gasps> how could you do that? Like, you'd, like how you do on the on the. Old school texting, like the less than three. Oh, oh yeah, got it, got it, got it. Dude, I don't know if you can do less than on a phone, like with a pager. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't fucking know. I don't. I've never had a fucking pager, man. Shit, I'm not gonna argue with you. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? Maybe yeah, because remember they had those pagers that had full ass keyboards. Yeah, like the Motorola ones. Yeah. Ooh, you know what? Actually, that was the height of luxury right there. <laughs> That was on like videos and shit. Yeah, videos. yeah. Dude, if I was divorcing Jeff Bezos, I would ask for <laughs> one of those. <laughs> if, I'm serious. If she does not get Amazon Prime for free <laughs> for the rest of her life, then her attorney is doing her a goddamn disservice. No practice. No, dude. They need to uh, fucking rename Alexa after her. They need to name it Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you ever seen that thing where it's like that? Nelly and Kelly Rowland video where one of them is texting the other one using an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, such stupid (laughs) ass shit. Yeah, I love when people are like, go back and notice things that you didn't notice at the time. That's the best. Yeah, that shit is awesome. All right, so so she's selling pagers, and then she started working as a belly dancer. She's Mm -hmm. totally just 
trying to fucking figure herself out. Yeah. So then in 1996, she competed in the Fitness America competition. But basically in these early competitions, since she was so much bigger than every other woman, she always mm-hmm. finished in last place. Like she wasn't getting right. a lot of a lot of attention. Like people didn't like her size. Huh. Really? Yeah. Why? Because it's not like feminine or something? I get she looks a little she looks I mean like it's hard to say because I think like most of those women to me look a little bit masculine. Mm-hmm. They're they're muscled up, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think she looked especially masculine. She was five mm-hmm. ten and she weighed around two thirty. Wait, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I'm five ten. She has a hundred pounds on me. Yeah, man. What the fuck? I am shook right yes. now. That shit is fucking crazy. So then she started training at this famous professional wrestling school in Massachusetts owned by Wladek Kowalski. <laughs> okay. That's, whose name I'm not pronouncing that's right. That's probably a thing. She started fighting, promoting, and modeling for them. And this dude like really fucking loved her. He was like, no, you're fucking going to make it. Like he thought mm-hmm. she was like a queen, which she is. Yeah. And then sometime early on, her initial implants ruptured during a match. Ooh, oh, no. And she had Ooh, a lot of problems. A, a match? She's So she's wrestling. She's wrestling, yeah. Okay, okay. So she had some problems finding, like, the right fit for her larger stature. Yeah. And then just to put this in here now, later on, once she becomes more famous, she worked together with a plastic surgeon to make custom implants, which became known as the China 2000s. <gasps> and these are now marketed for larger frame women and female bodybuilders. Wow, that's isn't that awesome? Oh my god, that is so amazing. She's a legend just for that one, dude. That's what, what I, I want. What a fucking honor. Yeah, for real. Yeah, isn't that so nice? Ooh, what if a guy got ball implants named after him? <laughs> like the Tom Green two thousands. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Lance Armstrongs. Oh, uh, nobody wants that anymore. <laughs> the, those have been taken. Nobody those wants balls the are fucking tainted. Tom Greens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Drew Barrymore. <laughs> she don't want that shit. Uh, um, through this wrestling school, she met WWF or World Wrestling Federation performers Paul Triple H and Shawn Michaels in 1996. Okay, those are names that I've heard before. I recognize yep, those. Are pretty famous dudes. Yeah. After watching tapes of her matches, they brought her into the WWF as their bodyguard for their team, D-Generation X. <laughs> their bodyguard? I actually like that. That's yeah. pretty cool. She would help them cheat. Like, they would be in the <laughs> ring, and she would help them cheat by physically interfering in matches by executing a trademark low blow to the crotch of their opponents. Like, she would be standing next to them, and she'd just, like, fucking knock them in the crotch. <laughs> hey, China 2000, baby. <laughs> Off screen, China and Triple H began dating in real life as well. <gasps> oh, office romance. Yeah. Uh, China tried to keep this relationship pretty private mm-hmm. because she did, She says she didn't want people to think she was trying to sleep her way to the top. She yeah. wanted to be recognized for her wrestling abilities. Okay, yeah. Vince McMahon, the owner of WWF, initially didn't want her to join because they didn't. he didn't think the audience would believe a woman who could beat up men all right (laughs) while waiting because so she was like hold up hold up his problem was that something in the wwf would look too fake (laughs) wow (laughs) so like after she had been a bodyguard for a while she was getting all this love and so they were talking about bringing her on as like an actual wrestler 
Mm -hmm. While waiting for their final decision, she was approached by this other wrestling foundation, World Championship Wrestling, WCW. Oh, yeah, WCW. Okay. Yeah, and they wanted her to be their sole female uh, wrestler of the New World Order, Mm -hmm. which is also super famous. Dude, damn, girl, you better take that. You have to take that. She ended up accepting because WWF was kind of like playing hard to get with her and shit. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Then Shane McMahon, Vince McMahon's son, I guess went up to her privately and was like hey the wwf wants you like they they don't want you to take the wcw thing like i think they're just trying to dot the i's and shit like if you could just give them a little bit more time and so she ended up fucking backing out of the (gasps) wcw shit okay and signed on officially with wwf oh very cool i just i hope she got her fucking paper oh she does okay good so China made her WWF debut on February 16th, 1997 at the In Your House 13 Final Four match. Yes. Where her character emerged as a plant from a ringside seat. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Dude, I'm not, so I'm what? not a wrestling fan, just to put that out there. But I did used to watch this stuff when I was little because my cousins were all the same age, like my male cousins, and they were all into it. Mm-hmm. And I was watching a bunch of this stuff this week just to kind of like, you know, see her and stuff. And yeah, it's so fucking fun. Like, I totally get why uh-huh. people are into it. Yeah, for sure. And I like that show Glow. Yeah, that I show's guess, good. I guess it's kind of like that. But wait, hold up. Why is she emerging from a plant, though? Because she got to psych people out. <laughs> wait, hold up. Was she was she going by China already? Yes. And she oh, dubbed okay. herself the ninth wonder of the world. Ooh, that's sick. Yeah, I, you know, I wonder, do they come up with all that themselves or do they assign you characters and shit? So she was given the name China. I don't know if she I don't know if she came up with that on her own, but I know that it, it's like ironic because they were trying to say, like, mm-hmm. fine China is so yeah. delicate and fragile, whereas she's yeah, like the yeah. fucking opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So on this match, she came. She was a fucking plant. She got <laughs> in the ring. She choked out some bitch named Marlena and then gold dust uh but Goldust was in the ring with Triple H and Triple H fucked him up and they fucking went one and shit. Okay. Okay. Dope. So off the screen, I guess originally when she first came on, a lot of the other wrestlers were hesitant to let her go up there and, and overpower them on stage. The male wrestlers, Mm, mm -hmm. cause she would get in the ring and she would fight against the men in full stilettos and fucking makeup. Wait, am I wrong about the stilettos? Hmm? Okay, wait, am I wrong about this? Or in wrestling, in the WWF, is there, like, there's good guys and then there's bad guys, right? Villains. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, what A was A villain. She? Okay, got it. Yeah. In January 1999, she was the first woman to ever enter the epic Royal Rumble match as the 13th entrant. The day after the Royal Rumble, she became a villainess by betraying her man's Triple H. <gasps> And aligning herself oh with his god. enemy, Vince McMahon. What? Oh my god, there is so much <laughs> drama right there. It has everything. There's betrayal. There's alliances. Yeah. Fucking so she's, plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chokeholds, makeup, boobs. Stilettos. So so she teamed up with Vince McMahon and Kane, who were Triple H's enemies. Mm-hmm. And at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view Ooh. match, she teamed up famously directly against triple h like she went toe-to-toe with that what so she's super famous and the wwe like they love her and sorry i keep going back and forth because they were wwf and then at one point they switch over to wwe just so that's all out there 
Um, China's sister said that China was really loving her life at this time. Like I bet. she, you know, had finally found a career that she she finally found a career, just period. Aww. And she was doing really well. She was earning a lot of money mm-hmm. in the year 2000. It was reported that she earned over one million dollars. Oh, my God. Good for her. Yeah. She was buying all this nice clothes and shit. She had a super sick ride and she was living her best life. Dope. At WrestleMania 15, China then turned her back on Kane. What? In his match by attacking him with a chair, <laughs> appearing to get back on the t- team with Triple H. All right. China and Triple H then turned against <laughs> <laughs> some other dude and they formed the corporation. Okay. Wow. Dude, this sounds like a rap crew. Yeah. Like it sounds like Foxy Brown and Nas would be rapping in it. <laughs> Following the dissolution of the corporation, the villainous China remained at Triple H's side. China was the first woman to qualify for the King of the Ring tournament in June 1999. She was the first female number one contender for the WWF championship, but she ended up losing that one. Later that year, she had a feud with fellow wrestler Jeff Jarrett, which became a fan favorite like um, little side story that was going on. Mm -hmm. She was the first and only female wrestler to ever win the Intercontinental Championship when she defeated Jeff Jarrett. Oh, cool. And then off-screen, China claims that Jeff Jarrett demanded $300,000 from Vince McMahon and the WWE in order to lose his title to a woman. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Wait, is she the only one that says that or do we? She's the only one that says that. Okay. Yeah. Another thing I want to point out is that China's storylines and her fights often had the men trying to degrade her. Ugh. Like the rock is really big in wrestling at the same time as her. Yeah. And he's always show- telling her shit like get on your fucking knees. And oh. he's always telling her like get in the kitchen. Oh no. Which is the most trash fucking dab, you know? And you know, that's, it, that reminds me there's like uh, that's kind of the reason why I don't like a lot of porn just because like the, really degrading yeah the way in like a really women. trash way yeah. like not even creatively degrading exactly <laughs> get in the kitchen that's fucking boring yeah just like so ugh. yeah and they the male wrestlers started to question her gender on screen since she's so tall and and large muscled large framed yeah she was the first female wrestler not to be like a novelty sex appeal prop like the other girls before her had been. Mm-hmm. And she she actually went into the ring and fucked the other guys up. Hell yeah. So China says that part of her wanted to beat the male superstars, obviously, because then she'd be number one because they right. were the number one guys at the time. Mm-hmm. But also she didn't like them pairing her up against other female wrestlers because she was a lot bigger than them and she huh. would often hurt them oh. when... They were practicing and stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, so she didn't like to do that. She was like, I like, I just, it was too hard for her to not hurt them. Yeah, I get that. But like, let's say she's fighting the dudes. Let's say she's fighting the Rock. I bet. Yeah, that, he's gonna hurt her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and um, I, I, she wanted d- to take it. And I, think. I doubt those guys cared. No, probably not. So China then feuded with Chris Jericho over the belt, which ended in them being declared co-champions after controversially both pinning each other at the SmackDown <laughs> that year. Ooh, drama. And then they briefly teamed up together following his win. Okay. Okay. She then on screen broke up with Triple H and <laughs> sorry. <laughs> 
and became the girlfriend of Eddie Guerrero, who was originally her rival. Oh, my God. R.I.P. I know. They became fan favorites, and Eddie Guerrero nicknamed her his Mamacita. Hey. And it's really funny because every time she comes out of the backstage, like on the, you know, like the, what is that? Like the the cover of the wall or whatever, they'll uh-huh. flash lights that say Mamacita. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cheesy. It's so good. Oh, my God. That's my wrestling name. <laughs> that couple, they ended up winning the intergender tag team match at SummerSlam, but lost the belt a few weeks later. Eddie then caught China in the shower with two unnamed women. <gasps> oh my god! To the end of their relationship, dude. Wrestling is just telenovelas. <laughs> it is. It's so fucking good. <laughs> then in November 2000, China posed for the cover and centerfold of Playboy. <gasps> oh, cool! What year? November 2000. Yes, China 2000. It was also worked into the WWE storyline that she was going to pose for Playboy and stuff. Yeah. And it began a feud with a fellow wrestler, Ivory, who was a member of the Right to Censor group. Okay. She ended up fucking up Ivory. (laughs) (laughs) And that ended up being her final match ever. What? With the WWF. No way. Hold up. So China didn't wrestle with the WWF after the year 2000? Uh Uh-huh. That's wild to me. That's crazy, right? It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So wait, how long was she wrestling at that level? Like four years. Wow. I know, May. Okay. China officially left WWF on November 30th, 2001, months after she had already been taken off their television lineup. Mm -hmm. Her real life boyfriend, Triple H, had begun a relationship with Stephanie McMahon on screen. Oh, no. Ended up turning into a real life relationship. I fucking knew it. Oh, no. China claims that. Triple H cheated on her with Stephanie McMahon. Mm-hmm. The T is that China said China says she found she found love letters in Triple H's suitcase between him and Stephanie. Mm. Triple H says that that's not how it went down. That they broke up mutually because China yeah. didn't want to have children. Oh, and because of some of her own personal issues, and then he started dating Stephanie. Um, uh huh. And and China says that that was also like a huge problem in their relationship was Triple H wanted to get married and have children. Uh-huh. She wanted to get married. She didn't want to have children. Okay. That fucking sucks, but yeah. So I think either way they would have broken up, but it mm-hmm. did sting, you know, because Stephanie McMahon is Vince McMahon's daughter, obviously. And yeah. So I think it stung a little bit more for China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet that fucking stung. It hey, was, what were those love letters? Right? Like, <laughs> dear Triple. <laughs> suck it (laughs) it was rumored that the entire situation going on off screen with stephanie and triple h and her led to her being let go by wwf yeah i bet it's it's messy yeah and this is drama and vince mcmahon owns everything Mm -hmm. his daughter's involved yes yeah i get it but china publicly said that she wanted to leave wwf because she was ready to begin her acting career Mm mm-hmm WWF ended up jumping on the bandwagon with that story too in order to kind of like keep shit looking calm on the surface. Yeah. But allegedly they had offered her a contract to stay for another year for $400,000, which she refused to sign demanding more money. (gasps) Okay. So she walked away from that. And then years later, she admitted that she always regretted that. Yeah, I bet. I feel like she really blamed... (laughs) 
She blames the WWF for her downfall and for her success equally. Well, that's the truth. So then she wrestled a little bit more here and there with other wrestling teams, but but never reached the stardom that she had with the WWF. Mm-hmm. Do you know like how her body's doing? Because, you know, wrestling's murder on your body. Yeah. So, you know, what's funny is it it's crazy hard. I think her body's all right. Like she's always into fitness, but I had never thought about it. But after the fact, they did question whether or not she had CTE. <gasps> yeah. Oh. oh, really? Yeah. And then I was thinking that maybe, you know, she was starting to feel the effects on her body and she thought it wasn't worth it for her to put her body through that for another year, you know? Yeah. No, I think it was more like a personal kind of reason for her leaving. Mm-hmm. She ended up getting her actual boxing license oh, yeah. like to box. Yeah. And she fought Joey Buttafuoco uh, in an exhibition <laughs> match where she lost. Uh, fucking Joey. She also then released an autobiography entitled, quote, If They Only Knew, which did reach the New York Times bestseller list in 2001. Hey, New York Times bestselling author, China. I know. Hey, dope. She withdrew completely from all WWF and WWE things and started talking about them in a bad way, talking about the politics Mm -hmm. and the drug use and all that shit. She's salty. Kind of. She was just super frustrated, I think, and she had... She had ridden an uphill battle the whole time she was there from even yeah. like before they signed her. So, she, yeah, you know, for definitely. her, like, yeah, they did cement her career and get her to a level of stardom that she ha- probably wouldn't have otherwise. But at what cost, you know? Yeah, totally. For sure. So I think it's kind of like bittersweet, right? Because like she lo- like she has to love them for giving her for making her who she was. But then at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then she appeared on some small shows for a while, like Fear Factor, Third Rock from the Sun, Robot Wars, etc. Dude, I and used to fuck with Robot yeah, Wars. Yeah, do you remember that show? <laughs> yeah, they yeah. used to have like, I used to like that robot that would have a hammer at the end of it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> she then started dating fellow wrestler Sean Waltman, aka X-Pac, around 2003. And their relationship was hella rocky. They fucking break up they'd get Mm -hmm. back together again they got engaged at one point x-pox said that they were both doing crystal meth together oh no and x-pox has a really interesting life including a few uh a little bit of a rap sheet for substance related crimes Uh uh-oh he says that he feels like he never did her any favors by by being with her mm-hmm. because he wasn't in a position to even take care of himself yeah. and she needed somebody that could help her take mm. care of herself. So do we know when the drug use started? China alludes to drug use being around in the wrestling world, which like we all know wrestlers and people who are in like fitness competitions often start using steroids and stuff like that. Yeah. The crystal meth was pretty shocking to me. Uh-huh. Um, she is, she does drink alcohol heavily and around this time once she's out of the wwf and everything she's heavily like drinking and she's doing crystal meth with x-pac but i i couldn't tell you when it started or anything like that okay she's also partying at the playboy mansion around this time and blowing through her money a lot faster than it's coming in oh no yeah because we see that happen a lot with people who start to get money yeah for sure 
In 2004, China approached the Red Light District Video Company to distribute a homemade sex video she made with her then-fiancé, Sean Waltman, X-Pac. The film shows the couple taking a guided tour of China intercut with footage of them having sex. Oh, okay. It was literally in China. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Educational. Okay. <laughs> she admits to not being sober during most of the filming of this video. That sucks. Because, like, you know... If you want to release a sex tape, more power to you. Like, fucking do that shit. That's awesome. Do it. But if you're not in your right mind, if you're not sober, then it's Yeah. You don't know sad. how, like, the consent for that all went down. Right. I think, like, if it's not something you would have done when you were sober, then maybe it's right. something you shouldn't have done. After some negotiations, the film One Night in China ended up being released in 2004. It was an obvious callback from the Red Light District Video Company to their prior film featuring Paris Hilton entitled One Night in Paris. <laughs> Which I don't know if you guys caught it on our uh, Twitter, Twitter, but our senior prom theme was actually One Night in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> and we did double check. It was after the Paris Hilton It sex sure team. was. It was a different time, dude. People could not be bothered to do... A not, simple Google not search. Not there at Rwanda High School. <laughs> China's film sold over 100,000 copies. Ooh, that's a lot. Which, yeah, it did pretty well. She shared in profits with Sean equally. Okay. The movie also boosted her career and fame for a little bit, which is kind of what she was looking for after leaving the WWE Ooh. and slowing down for a few years there. Yeah. China admits that she feels like her life was spinning out of control around this time. And she suffers from depression and mental health issues from her childhood and everything she's gone through. Yeah. And on top of that, now she's has some addictive tendencies. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, the the sex tape, while I mean, good for her and everything, but that it led to the WWE dis distancing themselves more from her mm -hmm. because they have such a huge child fan base. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So. I see like, where they're coming from, but I don't like it. So they would still allude to like China's past fights and like her her glory. Like, you know, she was like a trailblazer for women, especially in wrestling. And they would still like show highlights and shit of her. But after she did the porn thing, they really like kind of like dropped all that. Yeah. In 2005, she was cast on the VH1 show The Surreal Life. Uh-huh. Her housemates included DeBrat. <laughs> Jane Wheedlin, yeah, Christopher Knight, Adrian uh -huh. Curry, Marcus Schreckenberg, and Vern Troyer. Okay, R.I.P. R.I.P. While on this show, she drank very heavily all the time. She walked around naked. Oh. She got into altercations with her ex, X-Pac. Okay. And she was arrested for domestic assault. Wow. Mm-hmm. With X-Pac. Hold up. Like, on camera, though? N no, not on camera. No. Th isn't that scary? Like... A wrestler, two wrestlers in a yeah. relationship together. Yeah. Yeah, that's really scary to me. Dude, one of the couples on 90 Day Fiance. Broke up, right? No. Well, yeah, but there's this other couple. One of the fiance, the fiance got arrested for domestic abuse. She posted a picture of herself and she was like all bloody and oh, shit. Fuck. And like, you know, these are just regular. Regular people. Yeah, regular schmegular people. Yeah. Imagine yeah. if they were. Athletes. People who know how to fight. Yeah. yeah. Fuck that. A few days after the domestic assault thing, the New York Post claimed that while out at a club in New York, China got wasted, stripped naked, and jumped into the fish. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, 
<laughs> I'm not mad at it. TBA. So she's partying kind of hard. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. That's a low key Friday yeah. activity for me. But I don't know about you. To each his own. <laughs> she appeared on the Howard Stern show a few months later and she stumbled around slurring her words. She claimed on air that she didn't want to do drugs anymore, but quote, if a line of cocaine is in front of me, I'd do it. Ugh, that's not good. Her sister then says that China was still snorting crystal meth around this time. Ugh. Dude, it's always wild to me when celebrities do drugs like meth. Yeah, like those kind of level of street drugs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah. She also appeared on some surreal life spinoffs and a really sad movie with Anna Nicole Smith in 2006 called Illegal Aliens. Oh, no. Mm Mm-hmm. In 2007, she started an episode of a court-themed show, Christina's Court. Okay. Regarding a dispute against a breeder of teacup chihuahuas. <laughs> okay, I need to see this. <laughs> hey, she won they, the suit. Did they teach you about this in law school stuff? Yeah, they did. This is like critical, critical <laughs> torts. She won the suit and was awarded $4,000. Hey, shoot. We stand a litigation queen. <laughs> <laughs> We do. <laughs> uh, she appeared on Larry King Live Throwback. to talk about Anna Nicole Smith's death. Aww. And she spoke a lot about parallels between her issues and Anna Nicole's issues. Isn't that sad? Oh I didn't realize she, they were friends. Yeah. Wait, hold up. Are they for real friends or were they just friendly on the set sort of thing? You know? So there's conflicting stories. China says they were for real friends. Mm-hmm. Anna Nicole Smith's family says they weren't. Mm, but but Anna Nicole Smith's family was kind of like yeah. separate from her. So uh-huh. who fucking knows? Yeah, for real. I could see them being friends. Yeah, yeah, me too. In 2008, China agreed to appear on the first season of VH1's new reality show, Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. For the first few episodes, she wouldn't admit to being an addict and couldn't come to terms with what exactly her issues were. Mm-hmm. She kept admitting to the doctors that she needed a change, but she would never spill on what she was using exactly Mm. and what her real problems were. Then I wonder why she agreed to be on the show in the first place. Right? She deflected specific questions and was super defensive. Finally, she admitted to being an alcoholic, but nothing more. Mm -hmm. She sobered up towards the end of the season, but eventually relapsed and re-entered treatment for part of season two. That show, I feel like if you really want to be sober, I don't know that that's the right environment to do it in. Through like the show? Right. That show, May, I kind of want to do an episode on it. Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys remember, but I I did Brigitte Nielsen in an episode of, of like months and months ago. And Brigitte Nielsen was also on Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew. And Brigitte had like kind of the opposite effect of being on the show because she said she liked having the accountability of being on tv during this process yeah i guess i kind of see that too like the, the more eyes on you the more people you have to answer to you know yeah but china i don't think it was a good environment for her to do it mm-hmm. because she didn't even want to admit to a lot of the stuff right. you know yeah. yeah on december 27th 2008 china was rushed to the hospital after <gasps> she went on a bender for her birthday party when her friends found her passed out in her apartment with cuts on her arms. Oh, no. She briefly stated publicly that she would be re-entering rehab, but never seems to have done so. Okay. Also, she had some financial issues around this time Uh. since 
Now she's years removed from her WWE yeah. glory and she's suffering from substance abuse issues. Oh no. Okay. She starred in a second sex film in 2009 entitled Another Night in China. Oh, I did not know that. In 2011, she did a professional pornography film for Vivid Video Whoa. entitled Backdoor to China. <laughs> she she also did some <laughs> three guesses on what's, what goes down in that one. Yeah, I bet the plot synopsis is just full of surprises. <laughs> she then did a few other films for Vivid as She-Hulk in huh. Avengers porn parodies released in 2012. Okay. She could have been getting that Marvel money. Before her death, she started doing like youtube videos where she would talk into the screen and shit okay and she said that she never ever wanted to go into the porn business but she was quote making lemons out of lemonade oh well i get it yeah me too yeah in september 2010 china was hospitalized after an accidental overdose of her sleeping medication <gasps> no in 2012 there were reports that she had begun living with a homeless man in an apartment what? who China had apparently fallen for. Oh, my God. Her friend says that she that this dude, like, fed into China's addictions mm. and convinced her to cash out her 401ks oh, no. in order to sustain their abusive life together. No. And her sister and friends say that this dude was keeping her drunk and loaded so he could, like, keep taking advantage of her, basically, you know? Yeah, fuck, I bet. So then they step in and they pull her out of that situation. Okay, good. And she sobers up for a bit and she's sustaining some income here and there with autograph signings until around early 2014 when she seemingly completely sobered up and she says she's moving to Japan and she's going to learn. She's going to teach English. Oh, my God. That's that's perfect for she, her because she's got all the she language. has a lot of language stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So she's trying to like get some sort of like a foundation going for herself. Yeah. Unfortunately, it did not go good for China in Japan. No. She ended up getting fired for her job for coming to work drunk. Oh, no. But then she tried to stay out there to make it work for a while. She had a few brush-ins with Japanese police mm -hmm. where one time she swung a knife at officers. Oh, my God. You know what? This is really disappointing because for a minute I was just thinking like, oh, my God, Japan is going to be so good for her because there's not as many drugs on the street. Yeah. It's cleaner. Yeah, totally. I guess one time she like climbed a pole by her apartment and like screaming, woke up all her neighbors and shit. Oh, wow. Um, she'd get super drunk and walk around the streets of Tokyo. Oh, oh you know what? I'm not going to hate because I kind of want to do that though. <laughs> <laughs> one time, not the way she does it though. <laughs> one time uh, she was taken to a mental hospital by the police because she was drunk on the streets and she had slit her wrists and she was like bleeding all over herself on the streets oh, in public no. like that. Hey, how good yeah. do you think her grasp of Japanese was at that point? Because could you imagine going to a mental hospital and not being able to communicate? Fuck, like, no, that's scary. Whoa, that shit is so fucking that's scary. That's a horror film right there. Yeah. So she ended up coming back to the US where she was struggling to have any sort of relevancy. Meanwhile, fellow WWF star The Rock was flying high mm -hmm. on a successful transition from wrestling to blockbuster movie career around this time. Yeah. China had appeared with The Rock on the cover of Newsweek magazine back in February 2000. Wow. So, so she's feeling pretty low about her career path because, yeah, you know, I don't know. I just think she saw she envisioned that happening for her and it never did. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Her friends say that they tried to step in around this time. Briefly, she started going to church and oh. was baptized as part of the Mormon church. But oh. okay. she's just too far gone, I think, at this point. Yeah. Allegedly, X-Pac contacted the WWE upon her return from Japan to let her know to let them know how bad she had gotten. Mm-hmm. And they offered the money to her for her to enter oh. a good rehab. But she declined. Wow. That's very cool of yeah them. if it's true it is right yeah which why would x-pac lie about that right in 2015 she was found by police unconscious in front of her apartment with twenty thousand dollars in cash from an autograph signing in her purse yo that's the kind of money she was making yeah that that kept that kept her going wow she could she could do something she was fucking huge may like i i don't want to d- like diminish the huge star she was in the wwe like she mm-hmm. was the rocks like yeah level of star yeah 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 she was sure. huge yeah and people who fucking love wrestling like they fucking loved her oh yeah uh she told i guess that time she told the cops i couldn't find my keys and so she knocked out in front of her, okay. <laughs> in her apartment on april 20th 2016 china was found dead at her apartment in redondo beach california she was 46 years old wow her manager called the police for a welfare check after she wasn't answering phone calls and had stopped posting on all of her social media accounts. Her autopsy revealed that she died of an accidental overdose of alcohol combined with anxiety drugs, diazepam and nordazepam, the painkillers oxycodone, oxymorphone, and the sleeping aid to mazepam. Oh my god, that's way Which is way too much. Yeah, yeah way that shit too is much. terrifying. It could have happened with just alcohol and like one of those oxycodone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that shouldn't have happened. Her funeral, her funeral was so sad because it was more like an exhibition. They sold tickets to her funeral. No, they did not. No fucking way. They sold t-shirts at her funeral. Oh, Coolio performed. Oh, well, I want Gangster's Paradise (laughs) to be performed at my funeral, too. None of her family members attended. Mm. Well, why would you go to that? The only person from the WWE who showed up was X-Pac. The WWE sent no other representatives to her funeral. Well, fuck those assholes. Where was Triple H? Nobody went. Ugh. So then after she died, there, like I said, there was some talks about, like, could she have been suffering from CTE? Because obviously she's getting a lot of blows to the head. She was suffering from mental illness. Um, but nothing concrete ever came of that, so far as I know. Following her death, there was also a lot of comparisons to the other celebrity alumni deaths from Dr. Drew's celebrity rehab, which she was the sixth celebrity to die following treatment on no that show. No way. It's something like 15% of the people that go on that show ended up dying. Oh, that should tell you everything you need to know about that show. Isn't that fucking crazy? And China joined the list of WWE professionals who died relatively young, including Rick Rude, the Ultimate Warrior. And Owen Hart, who famously died during a freak accident while performing at a pay-per-view event. A lot of former wrestlers talk about struggling with their identities once they leave the sensationalized world of wrestling and what that does to their mental health. Right. And that's the thing. If you're a wrestler in the WWF or WWE, you're it's a joke. You're you're a fucking joke because that's it's not meant to be yeah. taken seriously. Yeah. 
You're not an Olympic wrestler. Right. Yeah. And you're just like this caricature of yourself. And then after you leave, it's hard for someone to look at you like a real person or a real athlete. And you're always going to struggle to find a way to get that same kind of impact Mm -hmm. that you did there. Yeah. Because it doesn't exist. And you know what? Specifically with China as a woman inside of the WWF, she was like sexualized. So now she's this sexualized caricature of herself. So when she gets out... What yeah. else do they expect her to do besides porn and yeah, stuff? Yeah, porn. And it's sad because that's obviously not what she wanted, wanted. for herself. And it's just it. The whole situation is yeah. just it's sad, and oh, I feel for her. China has since been credited as being super influential to women's wrestling and one of the biggest stars of the WWE. She's a feminist icon who defied gender norms and male dominance early on. She remains the only woman to have held the WWE Intercontinental Championship, like I said. Her lack of induction into the WWE Hall of Fame is a cause of controversy within the wrestling fandom, including right now, because they're currently picking the Hall of Fame class for 2019. And the internet is in uproar to try to get your girl China in there. Oh my God, she absolutely has to be all up in there. Right? Yes. China allegedly had a huge desire to be inducted while she was still here with us, and they kept giving her the fucking runaround. Oh, God. Triple H allegedly said that they do want to induct her, but there's problems about children Googling her name, which really fucking pisses me off because you could Google some fucking male superstars in wrestling and see that they killed their fucking wives and shit. Right. Nobody's saying shit about that, right? I'm saying. Stephanie McMahon also... they. All the McMahons just basically give the same answer. Like, she's going to be inducted. She's going to be inducted. Mm -hmm. But it never happens. Fuck them. Fuck that. So, RP, your girl, China. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. She's amazing. I didn't realize that she'd achieved so much and done so much in her life. she's awesome. Yeah. So bad for her. Oh, yeah. For real. I feel like the WWE used her. They did. And just threw her out. They did. It's not fair when. That's exactly what they did. Because you know what? I remember, I don't remember a lot of wrestling when I was very, very young, but around that time, there was sort of a resurgence where it became big again. It was huge. There was like, it was huge. Yeah, they had yeah, SmackDown. And they were paid on pay per view. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And she was like the biggest huge star. Deal. Yeah. Her and the, the Rock, they were right up there. So uh, they absolutely used her and just threw her away, which pisses me the yeah, fuck me off. Okay, guys, I have an interesting one this week, I think, Um, because I'm doing mine on the Queen of Canada, a.k.a. the Queen of Country Pop, a.k.a. the Canadian Thalia Shania Twain. Let's go, girls. (laughs) Dude, her songs are so fucking funny. Fuck yeah. I've been listening to her music all week, of course. And there's this one that starts off with like a few beats of just like a fiddle or something. And it's, <laughs> and then she just goes, cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, cool. I'm still listening to Michael Jackson. Yeah. Oh, you that are? Shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. I literally only stopped just because I started researching Shania. Shania? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do a singer or something to get over Michael. Yeah. Okay, so for this, I watched her behind the music, of course, which was, it was I, but it's crazy because I also watched this real channel special called Shania Twain, The Price of Fame, and it's wild how different they are. Like, they're completely different. What? The 
behind the music was made during peak Shania. So times were good and she wasn't really spilling all the tea about the fucked up things that happened to her in her childhood just yet. Yeah. So I'd actually skip her behind the music, TBH. Okay, I want to start by saying that I noticed, especially before she semi-retired for a little while, that every single interview or biography of Shania begins by mentioning that she's ridiculously and incredibly beautiful. And she is. She's drop-dead gorgeous. It's almost like everyone just wants to get it out of the way or something because <laughs> like, they think not saying it would be weird. Anyway, I feel a little bad because she's also insanely talented and it sucks that her looks always have to be the first thing mentioned but i did like this thing in her behind the music where faith hill who's also oh, faith hill is fucking bomb insanely beautiful and talented says god if i had a body like that and i was like yeah same faith extremely same okay so shania was born eileen edwards on august 28th 1965 so this story is Canadian as fuck, which I really enjoyed because I think when you guys are listening to this, we'll be in Canada, right? Oh, shit. That's awesome. So, yeah, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, we'll probably be in Vancouver. So I can't wait to impress all the Canadians with my Shania knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> so Eileen's parents divorced when she was two, and she didn't have a relationship with her biological father, Clarence. Shortly thereafter, her mom, Sharon, moved her three daughters to Timmins, Ontario, where she met and married a guy named Jerry Twain, who would go on to adopt all three girls. So Eileen was now Eileen Twain. Jerry and Sharon had a son and also adopted Jerry's sister's son when Jerry's sister died unexpectedly. So now there are five kids in the Twain household. Mm -hmm. Jerry was of Native ancestry, although I'm not sure if he was 100%, but for sure he was mostly Native because he lived for a time on an Ojibwe reservation and I know that at one point he received funds to start a business that the government set aside specifically for First Nations people. But my point is that he was of Ojibwe descent and it was definitely important to his culture. And since baby Eileen basically grew up with him as the only father she'd ever known, the Native culture was a big part of her life too. Anyway, so they were super poor. It would be hard to overstate the kind of poverty that they lived in. Most of the time, they didn't have enough food. The only thing that they really ate was a dish the family called goulash, which was white bread in boiled milk with sugar. Ew. Yeah, I was trying to imagine if I was super... That's my hell. Yeah, if I was like super poor, what what would I eat? And that's not what came to no. mind. Whatever happened to potatoes? Yeah, some frijoles. Yes. Oh, that's what I would eat. See, if they that's were, yeah, if they were in SoCal, it would be frijoles and tortillas, but they were in Canada, so it was fucking Wonder Bread and sugar. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck yeah, is going on? I don't know. That's some Canadian shit, yeah. Anyway, so on occasion, they would have meat when they were able to hunt rabbits. And on even rarer occasions, they might have moose or deer in the winter if they were able to go to the reservation where the members of the tribes shared meat from the big hunts. But for the most part, the family was hungry, which led to the kids suffering from malnutrition and embarrassment and fear that their poverty would be exposed and they'd be taken away from their parents. So all the kids did constantly was fantasize about food. Yeah. You won't be surprised to hear that they also went without electricity or water sometimes too whenever they were unable to pay the bills. 
The hopelessness of the situation often left Sharon in a deep depression that she was unable to hide from her kids. At one point, Sharon was even arrested for shoplifting Christmas presents for the kids, which totally sent her into a shame spiral that, and made her depression a million times worse. That makes me so sad. Like, you, have you ever, like, at, in El Salvador, when you go to the supermarkets, mm. they'll have pictures of people that have shoplifted? Yeah, yeah. Holding the stuff that they've shoplifted? Uh-huh. And it's always toothbrushes or, or like yeah it's like diapers yeah. that makes me so sad mm. fucking give it to them right or at the very least like you don't fucking shame them you know like yeah you think that they want to be stealing some fucking toothbrushes yeah seriously so meanwhile little eileen is showing that she has a talent for singing she even starts writing her own songs around age 10 so sharon would take her down to local bars at like 1 a.m and have her do a set for the local loggers and strippers oh shit so eight, nine, 10-year-old Eileen would do an hour or so set and make about 20 bucks. And then her mom would take her back home and put her back into bed and she could get a couple more hours of sleep before going to school. They would do this a couple oh. times a week and sometimes this was the only money that they had coming in. What? Yeah, just little Shania's, you know, 40 bucks that she, maybe 60 if they were lucky that oh, she made that week. God. On top of everything, Jerry was kind of a violent dude. Oh. And he would often beat up on Shania's mom, Sharon. At least one incident involved him dunking Sharon's head in a toilet <gasps> until she stopped breathing. Oh, my God. Somehow they got her breathing again, but she didn't want to go to the hospital or press charges. So the whole thing just kind of blew over. Oh, my God. I can't imagine what I would do if I saw anybody fucking put a hand on my mom. Right? I wish someone would fucking try. <laughs> I think it was in her autobiography that Shania wrote that in that moment, she for sure thought that he had killed her. Yeah. So she starts running it through her mind, figuring out like, okay, now what am I going to do? What do we have to do? Oh, my God. And yeah, it really fucked her up for a minute. So now Eileen's older sister, who was around 14 at the time, decided to leave home because like things were really fucking bad. So even though she was only oh. 14, she was like, I'm fucking out. I'm going to bounce. So now Eileen was the oldest kid and she kind of felt more pressure to take care of her younger siblings. Yeah. And, you know, we like to think of things as kind of cut and dry, but it wasn't like that. It was kind of complicated because she loved Jerry, too. Their relationship was super complicated because on the one hand, He's the only father that she's ever known. Right. And he took her and her two sisters in and treated them like his own daughters from the jump. But on the other hand, he's this abusive asshole. Right. Finally, she told her mom that she should leave Jerry and they moved to a shelter in Toronto to escape the abuse. But Sharon goes back to Jerry a couple years later. So they did manage to escape the abuse for a little while. But I mean... At the end of the day, what was Sharon supposed to do? Just stay at the shelter with her three kids yeah. forever? No. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. So she went back home. In high school, Eileen develops big time stage fright and at times wets herself oh, before no. she has to go on stage. It's actually a problem that ends up following her like well into her professional career. Oh. So. Oh no. Is this Fergie too? <laughs> this is this is definitely Canadian <laughs> Fergie. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jerry started doing this creepy thing when she was sleeping. Uh-oh. It's one of the creepiest things I've ever heard. No, May. Do you want to guess what it is? No, because I'm scared. 
If I'm scared because if you're scared, I'm definitely oh going to be scared because yeah. I'm scared of everything. <laughs> you should be of this at least. Okay, listen. He used to stand on top of her and start whispering obscenities at her. What the fuck, May? In the Reels Channel reenactment, he said stuff like, you're a disgusting little bitch. <gasps> but that's just a TV reenactment. Like, I don't know what exactly he'd say to her, but she always says that things were, that they were like very horrible, terrible things. Oh my God. You know, she says that they were really terrible things that she never wants to repeat. So I can only imagine how disgusting these things were that he was telling her. Yeah, that's fucking scary. So she didn't know if he was sleepwalking or what, but it creeped her the fuck out. So it really incentivized her to want to get the fuck out of that house. After high school in the spring of 83, she joined a rock band on the road called Longshot and later a slightly higher profile band called Flirt. Oh, cute. I know. So cute, huh? Yeah. In between being on the road with the band, she'd work for Jerry a few months at a time in his logging business as a foreman. So she'd be out there in the dirt doing 10, 12-hour days chopping down trees and shit. Jesus. Which is fucking crazy to me. I guess she said that they used to just wash in the lake because they weren't allowed to use like soap and shit. But imagine Shania out in the fucking Doing this hard-ass labor. Yeah, Yeah. With an axe. That shit don't make no sense. Anyway, in 1985, Mary Bailey, a local Canadian country artist, takes her kind of under her wing a little bit and arranges for her to travel to Nashville to record a demo. It goes pretty okay. So she comes back to Toronto, demo in hand, to try to make something happen for herself. So it's 1987 and she's 22 and she's living that big city Toronto life now. Hell yeah. She's still playing with these little bands and shit but at least she's singing and it seems like it's her main gig i know she was also doing fast food i think she worked at mcdonald's for a little while but she's making enough to get by and at least she's able to sing which was like her her main goal yeah she's dating this industry dude who's 13 years older than her so she's kind of beefing with her parents a little bit over that Mm -hmm. and they're not really on the best of terms And that really sucks because then she receives a call that both her mother, Sharon, and her stepfather, Jerry, were both killed in a horrific (gasps) car crash. What? Yeah. Holy shit. That is not how I expected that to end. She's 22 years old. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. So she immediately drops everything, abandons her music career, and moves back home to take care of her two younger brothers. Wow. Who are the ones who still lived at home. Her friend, Mary Bailey, gets her a gig as a lounge singer at a resort in Huntsville, Ontario, which is how she puts food on the table for her and for her brothers, for her family. She ends up performing here for several years until her youngest brother finishes school. Wow. Yeah, dude, she's a good-ass person. That's insane. I did not... I was about to ask, how's her relationship with her dad now? Well, he's dead, so. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's weird because in her behind the music, she doesn't talk about the abuse. She doesn't talk about the whispering or anything like that. Really? Yeah. So, Hmm. I, you know, they do have a complicated relationship. She does. She loves him and she does love him and respect him. Yeah, plus once someone's gone, it's hard to. Yeah. You don't want to remember those things. Mm Mm-hmm. The one thing that she always does is actually give her mom a lot of credit for recognizing her talent, pushing her to sing. That's awesome. 
one thing though is I don't know if I agree with like making her sing at one a.m. Yeah. at like fucking making her make forty bucks for the family. Yeah, at a like, bar. You couldn't figure out a way to make forty bucks. Right. So now it's nineteen ninety. She's twenty five. Her little bro graduates from high school, so she can do what ups now, and she starts seriously shopping her demo. Eventually, she gets a deal with Mercury Polygram Records, but they want her to change her name because apparently Eileen Twain doesn't have a ring to it. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, they were fine with Eileen. It was Twain that they wanted to change. Oh. But she actually, she wasn't feeling it because her parents had just died. So, like, she didn't want to seem like she was erasing them. Yeah. Um, Eileen reminds me of Eileen Warnos. Or so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> or come on, Eileen. Eileen yeah. Twain sounds like a country ass name to me though that's I don't true. it sounds like a country artist yeah it does that's true so she chooses the name Shania Ooh. which apparently means on my way in Ojibwe because at this point in her career Shania is definitely leaning into the whole Native American thing oh. like on the cover of her first album she's wearing furs and there's like a, a wolf next to her Ooh. <laughs> She was totally the Elizabeth Warren of her day. <laughs> her mom isn't native at all, but she claims that her biological father was part native, but a lot of his family deny that. Also, On My Way in Ojibwe is definitely not Shania or anything close to it. <laughs> so she probably made that whole thing up. Just let her have it. <laughs> I'll let her have it. She's been through so much. No, but actually, this was one of the only, you know, sort of kerfuffles in her early career because people are like, you are really trying to make <laughs> this Native American thing happen. <laughs> so now Shania Twain is ready to take country music by storm. Oh. She releases her self-titled album, her debut album, and goes on tour for some better-known acts, but nothing really takes off. Her first album is weird, though, because the label didn't even let her really sing her own songs on it. I think only, like, one or two of her original songs ended up making the cut. So her artistic vision wasn't really being reflected on the album. Oh man. This is where a lot of the biographies point out how it's much more difficult for women in country music than it is for men. Oh, just like everything else. Yeah, just like everything else. I was actually thinking about this when you were talking about China, because like, why why couldn't she have had the career that The Rock has? Yeah, like this will just fucking blew up. And yeah, yeah. and in country music, dead. like if you're if you're a man, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Nobody's going to question where you come from. You just make a song about liquor and boots and no one gives a fuck yeah sounds <laughs> shania means whatever nice yeah, yeah. you cool yeah. and also like if you remember our jenny rivera episode it was kind of like that where like radio stations didn't want to take her seriously they're like um you're canadian fuck you you're a woman fuck you you're fucking yeah you're you're pretty fuck you like they would just give her the runaround at every point and she wasn't getting any traction that way that's fucked up so after the tour, she goes back to Toronto and plays small clubs without a band, though. So she's basically just singing karaoke to her own songs. Oh, no. Yeah, it's super depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but she did manage to make a couple music videos where she looked good as fuck to some, like, good enough songs, which was enough to catch the eye of super producer Mutt Lang, who called her up to ask her for an autograph what <laughs> that's a move that is a hell that's a move right there yo autograph <laughs> that was the og sliding into the dms the hell <laughs> so mutt asked her if she writes any of her own stuff and she's like yeah i do 
So she sends over some recordings of her original songs to him, and he's like super impressed. But she has no idea who he is, though. (laughs) But okay, Mutt was this reclusive, super reclusive writer producer who was huge in the industry for having produced hit after hit for some of the biggest names in rock like ACDC and Def Leppard. I think he produced and wrote Back in Black. Oh, nice. So anyway, he's like this big, big shot and they became phone buddies for months until they finally meet in June of 1993. They end up traveling around Europe together, working on music together, and by December of 1993, they get married despite a 17-year age gap. Oh, wow. Mutt is a little strange. <laughs> like, he's okay. he's very weird about his privacy and refuses to have his picture taken. But, like, I don't know that that many people are clamoring to take his picture. You know? Mutt, what's his last name? If I just Google Mutt, will it come up? Yeah, it, Lang, L-A-N-G-E. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's... Um, That's some hair. Yeah, he, he's got curly hair and almost mullet thing going on. He, he definitely loves a bandana. He fucks with a bandana. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he's real serious about the privacy thing, so much so that there wasn't even a single photo taken of him at their wedding. Oh, wow. What so, the hell? So their wedding album is all Shania and her dress posing with the wedding party. Good. No, that- <laughs> <laughs> or like alone next to flowers and shit. It's so fucking weird, dude. It's so weird. It looks like at the end of a psychological thriller when it's revealed that the main character was imagining another character the whole time. And then they go back and they show you scenes from earlier in the movie from a different perspective. And it's just Shania saying, I do to herself and shit. Like, that shit is fucking creepy. So so Mutt and Shania get to work and they put out her second album called The Woman and Me. This album was, was a mix of country and a little bit of pop rock. Hell Yeah. So country music was skeptical and the reviews were actually kind of bad because they weren't feeling the country pop thing. Mm. A country music journalist said the streets of Nashville are littered with the bodies of country artists that tried to go pop. Ooh. See, I guess mainstream music fans don't fuck with that country sound at all. And country fans don't fuck with that pop sound. And they won't fuck with you for trying it because they think you're a sellout. Jesus. And like, listen, I don't really fuck with country music like that no but shout out casey musgrave oh yeah that's what i'm saying a fucking yeah i like country pop me too like shania shania casey musgraves like if you don't fuck with shania and casey musgraves then dude then don't talk to me yeah you are fucking up get your life together anyway so they released the first single from that album and it's a song called whose bed have your boots been under Anyway, so they choose that one to be the first single because it's like the closest thing that they've got on the whole album to pure country. And I mean, after they released that, it's a fucking banger. So that was it. That's, she's a huge star. Hell yeah. So how old is she now? She's like around 30. Okay. So anyway, she's a big star in country music. But how many big stars in country music do you really know? Only like the biggest of the biggest. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, so, you know, she's big in those circles, but she's far, far from making it big in the mainstream. She releases hella singles off that album, and people are feeling her. And her biggest controversy at the time was that she was showing her belly button, because I guess that was taboo in country music in 1994. Jesus. That shit was a huge scandal. Like, she legit has to spend 
five minutes addressing it in her behind the music. Oh my gosh. Cut to 1997. Shania Mutt collab once again to drop her third album, Come On Over. Hell yeah. And this album changes the game. It's just bop after bop after bop. This is it. Yeah. It's it's country thriller. <laughs> <laughs> she releases a million singles off of it and they're all hits. Some of my favorites are, of course, the first single and one of my all-time favorite songs, You're Still the One. That song is so good. Yeah, man. dude. Oh, that song is so yeah. fucking good. It's one of the all-time great bangers. Yeah. Yeah, and then, okay, the second single was That Don't Impress Me Much. Which the best music video. Yeah, because she's like she's wearing in the desert. leopard print Yeah, outfit. a leopard print hoodie exposing the belly button. Yes. Yeah, she's looking good as fuck. Looking like she belongs in a fucking Revlon commercial. Yeah, her fucking face is yeah. so gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, the next single was Man. I feel like a woman. Another good ass yep. video. Fucking banger. <laughs> I mean, and she she released eight singles off of this album. So these are just some of my favorites. But like, yeah, there's all, there's even like a ballad at the end called From This Moment. That's yeah. pretty cute. Oh, I'm going to listen to this fucking album now. I'm going to be stuck <laughs> on this shit now. Just like you were this week. Uh, <laughs> let's go, girls. So anyway, like I said, I'm not a big country music fan but just that's that's just like five right there that are hits crossover hits yeah that like any mainstream fan would enjoy but from what i understand like all of the songs are really good especially if you like country music that's tight anyway so <laughs> <laughs> so she goes from being this huge star in country music to being this mega a plus plus list star in the mainstream because a lot of her songs crossed over yeah that don't impress me much was just huge yeah that it shit was, was like, everybody yeah, loved yeah. it everybody yeah yeah it was like on kiss fm it was on yeah. it was on regular top 40 pop radio and girls loved that fucking salty spiciness yeah. in that song and yeah shit. yeah Especially yeah in the 90s that shit was <laughs> underrated 90s so you banger. think you look like brad pitt <laughs> call me then bitch uh, that don't impress me much <laughs> oh my god she was telling the story of how she came up with that song uh-huh. And she was saying it was just her and her and her homegirl in the kitchen, and like her homegirl was reading an Us Weekly, and like uh-huh. in, in the Us Weekly was a picture of Gwyneth Paltrow and Brad Pitt, like steamy photo shoot, something like that. And she showed her the picture, Ooh. and she said, uh, "She the first thing that came to mind was like that don't impress me much." Damn. <laughs> so she was like, "Wait a second, yeah, wait a minute, somebody write that shit down." <laughs> so okay, come on over ended up selling over 40 million units. Wow. And it became the best-selling album by a woman ever, the top-selling country album ever, and the best-selling album by a Canadian, eh? Wow. So she blew the fuck up. She was untouchable. I bet. Around this time, she did catch a little bit of grief about, like, people were still kind of salty about her exploiting her connection to First Nations people. But the controversy just kind of came and went because instead of just responding to people, she would just release another song. And like every song was a banger. Just drop another hit. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just like, like fucking hit after hit. Like you can't touch me. You know, so she stayed on top of the world. She had access to the world's finest hair crimpers. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Because if you look at pictures Ooh. of Shania during that time, ooh, she loved she loved a hair crimper. <laughs> she was crunchy. <laughs> it sure was. She was looking good, though. 
So she and Mutt moved to Switzerland because you know he likes his privacy. Mm-hmm. And they moved to a chateau overlooking Lake Geneva. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, they have a son, Asia, who's born in 2001. Aww. So she started work on her fourth album entitled Up. <laughs> All of her songs have like exclamation points. And yeah. Shit. <laughs> Emo- her songs would have emojis if they came out now. <laughs> That's so true. Anyway, so Up was <laughs> was hella successful and she went on big ass tours and made a shit ton of money. Oh, yeah. You know, before I started researching this, I didn't realize that Shania releases two versions of every album. Oh. Like a country version and then like a pop rock version, which I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. That's a lot of work, girl. It sure is. And like for this third al- album for Up. She also released like a Bollywood version. Oh, which I mean, like that's so fucking smart, dude. Like, don't see. She came to fucking. She work. sure did, and I think that that's yeah. that's why she was like selling fucking hella millions and millions of records because she was tapping into that shit. Okay. Meanwhile, she becomes best friends with Mutt's assistant Marie Ann, mm. and they got <laughs> <laughs> what. I'm going to drop some snake emojis. Oh, yeah. There you go. Very apt. Okay. Anyway, they got pregaton about the same time and they got even closer. Oh, that's weird. I don't like pregnancy packs. (laughs) I only want to do drunk packs with my friends. So I don't. Well, catch us pregnant at the same damn time. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) If if May and I are both pregnant at the same time, it is a fucking national emergency. (laughs) We were in a cult. We we were both. We were fucking the Virgin Marys or some shit. And neither of us are virgins. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) We are now. (laughs) Okay. So things are feeling a little bit weird between her and Mutt. So she asked Marie Ann if she notices anything strange about Mutt because he's acting kind of distant. She's like, do you think he could be having an affair? Like maybe he's sick and doesn't want me to know. You have to remember that this is her best friend. So she's confiding in her best friend. Yeah, like all best friends do. Yeah. Anyway, so Marie Ann is like, you're fucking crazy. (gasps) May! (laughs) You are tripping. You need to chill. It's just like... (laughs) It's super fucked up. Okay. And it's it's fucked up because in the uh in the Reels channel reenactment, you know, Marie Anne is like she's from Switzerland or whatever, so she has like this Swiss accent and she's like, um, would you mind if I tell you to follow your own advice from your own song? She's like, Don't be as stupid. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, damn, girl, that's kinda extra. You didn't have to like, damn, lay it on so thick. So Anyway, Brianna is basically gaslighting her because guess what? She was fucking mutt. That's fucked up. Yeah, and it fucking sucks because then Shania just goes on thinking that she's being crazy. Oh my God, that's the worst. Yeah, that shit is so fucking shitty. And it just goes on like that until one day, Marie Ann's husband, Frederic, shows up to spill the tea to Shania. <gasps> so Frederic shows up and he's basically like, you know, Marie Ann and Mutt are fucking like, and you need to know. And it's like, it's the worst day of her life. She Aww. she breaks down. She's going crazy. She's tripping, of course, because it's her worst nightmare. So of course she confronts Mutt and she's like, "Tell me this was a mistake. We have we have a son. Tell me there's something we can do. Tell me we can like fuck past it. it. Yeah. yeah, we can get past it." And basically he's like, "No, I'm leaving you. This marriage is over." And they separate in May of 2008. What a dick! How long were they married for? I think from 94 to 2008. Yeah, 94 to 2008. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. 
So right after all this happens, essentially at the same damn time, she contracts Lyme disease. Oh, shit. And her Lyme disease leads to a condition called dysphonia, which is essentially just a tightening of her vocal cords, which like to you and me is no big deal. But for a singer, it's everything. So now she like lost her husband to her best friend and she lost her voice. Oh, wow. So she's in a super dark place. But our girl finds love in a super unexpected place. She found love in a hopeless place because she fell for Frederic, the now ex-husband of her ex-best friend, Marie Anne. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Shania says that it was their kids that kind of pushed them together. Like their mutual kids? Yeah, their mutual kids. Wow. <laughs> I guess they had been spending a lot of time together because, you know, they were going through shit. They were they were both going through shit. Who else is going to like understand? connect with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. You know what? If I had to guess, I bet they were just getting together to talk shit about their ex-spouses. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so I guess each one of their kids would see them together all the time. And one day they were just like, just kiss. Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, they're like, they're little kids, so they don't fucking know anything. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Because they think the kids were maybe seven or eight, maybe nine at the oldest around this time. And they kissed and they fell in love, dude. That's fucking crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, so her divorce from Mutt is finalized in June 2010. And on New Year's Day 2011, (gasps) she marries Frederic. That's a power move right there. (laughs) What happened with Mutt and... Are you going to get to it? Sorry. No, dude. I looked (laughs) fucking everywhere. But like this dude is private as fuck. So we don't know if they like they got married or like what. I need to know what happened to them. Yeah, But like, I know they were together for at least a while after that. I I don't know if they got married. I don't know if they're still together. I don't know anything. That is so fucking cool. (laughs) (laughs) So it's 2011. That same year, she releases her autobiography and she does a docuseries for own chronicling her life. By that time, her voice had recovered enough to take on a residency at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas in 2012 yeah, with her girl. show, Still the One. Hell yeah. Make that money, girl. <laughs> Dude, I wish I would have seen that. Me too. Yeah. Anyway, it ran for a little over two years. Oh, homeboy Frederic is pretty cute. Oh, yeah. He's definitely pretty cute. Yeah. Um, all the talking heads, like on all the documentaries that I watched, they were always real shady. They're always like, oh, yeah, she definitely upgraded. Oh. But like, he's an executive at Nestle. So oh. she's making that chocolate paper now. He got, Damn, she, he got the tight. chocolate cook up, <laughs> making her cookies and shit. Sweet. <laughs> her Caesar's Palace show was such a hit that she ended up going on tour after that. Wow. She did get into a little bit of trouble recently when she said in an interview that she would have voted for Trump. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, me too. I try to block that out because she got so many bops. <laughs> yeah, for real. You know what? She needed to release a bop so that people would forget about it. <laughs> yeah, she should have. <laughs> But you know what? She actually ended up taking it back like really, really quickly. And she was like, I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> way, to do, way to go, girl. She was, go, girl. She was just like, I'm more informed now. I'm sorry. <laughs> and that shit just went away, which is that's how you fucking yes, do it. We've already discussed this. <laughs> fucking, I'm sorry. I fucked up. My, my bad. bad. Yeah. My uh, bad. Uh, that was yeah, stupid. Okay, bye. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. And then she was like, that shit went away. She was on Broad City later that year. <laughs> <She was. laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. So everybody forgot about that shit. And she released an album called Now! <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation point in 2017. Her first album in 14 years. Holy shit. Yeah. And it hit number one. That's awesome. She sold 
over 85 million albums total. Wow, I don't think I know not one song off this album. Yeah, I'm not. I don't really either, but I'm. I'm not sure that it's a mainstream album. I think it's like a country country oh, okay. album. That's cool though. Yeah, and you know what? What's cool is that around this time she was making a lot of appearances at like award shows for Lifetime Achievement type Hell yeah. things. Yeah, so it was cool that they were finally showing her. Well, I mean, they always knew that she was a queen, but it was like the younger generation was like giving her her praise finally. Ooh, I want a Casey Musgraves, uh, Faith Hill slash Shania Twain Ooh. bop to come out. Ooh, yeah, I would listen to the shit out of that. <laughs> you know, I actually saw Casey Musgraves singing You're Still the One. Shut up, May. Yeah. I gotta watch it. it. You know, it's a duet with Harry Styles. Oh, how cute. I'll yeah. watch it. Yeah, it was really cute. You know, I don't know that much about Harry Styles, but it was cute. I liked it. He, that kid's got sex appeal. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a little mini sort of like a, like yeah, a, he's a, little fuck boy. <laughs> like a Mick Jagger <laughs> vibe. Yes. <laughs> so... Like I said, she sold over 85 million records total. She's still fucking stunning. And I stand Shania now and forever. Yes. Long live the queen. Yes. Hey, do you think that Shania at her peak is still bigger than Taylor Swift at her peak? I don't know. I mean, Taylor doesn't have the album sales. Uh, not that anyone does because, you know, Shania has the biggest selling album by a woman of all time. But I don't think so because Shania's song was a country pop song that mm -hmm. crossed over like both ways, right? Yeah. Taylor became famous when she just straight up crossed over from country to pop. Oh, yeah. Good point. So I think that's way harder to do what yeah. Shania did. Right. It's much harder to get someone who doesn't listen to country to start bobbing their head to country. Yeah, who don't usually right. listen to that. Fuck Yeah. That. Like con Taylor's country songs? I don't know. I don't know. even know that. Right. I don't no. know a single one. Nobody like who likes pop really stands that shit. Right. Hell yeah. Well, guys, thanks for listening. <laughs> we back. Yeah, we back. Wait, this we is our first twofer. <laughs> We've been back. I know, but like we really back. <laughs> <laughs> we for real back. <laughs> real ass back. <laughs> Tune in next week for my solo topic. Yes. Uh, hit us up on Insta and Twitter mm -hmm. at Drama Club Pod. Hit us up on BuzzFeed if you want to help yeah. your girls out. <laughs> Leave us a review as always. Buy a sticker. They're two bucks. Hit us on the hotline 505-539-0556. Go to dramaclubpod.com. And, and say what's up. Yeah. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Bye. Bye. However, whatever with your helmet.